Welcome to episode six of the Soldiers of the Immaculate podcast. This episode is being recorded on Friday, February 2nd, the Feast of Candlemas, 2024. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most compassionate Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection and implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin, O Virgins, O Mother. To thee we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear it answer. A Lady of good success. Pray for us. St. Francis and St. Uh, Bonaventure. Pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby. Pray for us. St. Pio and St. Uh, Alphonse Ligori. Pray for us. And St. Blaise. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, this evening, I think we're going to continue the, the theme on the morning offering. Father, I think the topic this time is the saints. Yes. Uh, so we covered, of course, the Holy Trinity first. We only worship God. And then after that, we were a devotion to Our Lady and renewing our consecration to Our Lady. She's a mediatrix of all graces, all the graces we need. She has them. And so that's that was the second. And then the third part was the Holy Guardian Angel. How awesome God is that he assigns an angel to you at the minute you're conceived in your mother's womb to guide you, to protect you. And that's the thing, that God gives us everything we need for our salvation. So many people think God is cruel, he's a tyrant, but no. The church teaches de fide. Once you reach the age of reason, you receive all the necessary graces for your salvation. And it's like, you know, God's not a bad per he's not a bad guy. He doesn't want us in hell. He wants us in heaven. So he gives us his he gives us himself in the Eucharist. I mean, we're gonna get into that eventually too, the Mass. He gives us everything. He gives us his own mother, that is our mother. He gives us our angel. And then he also gives us the communion of the saints. And it's so important uh, that the church, the supreme end of, uh, uh, law of the church is salvation of souls. There's no more important than salvation of souls. And God, once again, he wants you in heaven more than you want to go to heaven. And so he gives us everything. And that's why the church always insists that when you're, when, when a, a baby is baptized, they should take the name of a saint. I, as a priest, I won't baptize someone unless they have a saint's name. And why should you? Because that saint is there. God gives you this saint as a guide, again, like your angel, but a, as a patron saint that's going to be interceding for you at all times in heaven till you get there, till you're safe, until you're with him, praising and God for a beatific vision. And this is beautiful. Well, Father, do you ever get the objection that, Originally, none of the saints had patron saints in heaven. So, what's wrong with naming my son Hunter Dylan Smith? <laughs> oh, that's a nice name, huh? Uh, I hear all kinds of names. Well, it's, uh, listen, the church develops in time. In the beginning, you know, there were, you know, the church was growing, and then we have all this tradition, all the saints that have been canonized. So, as we grow, the church, you know, we grow in wisdom and understanding. We had a deeper understanding of the faith. And, you know, our Lord. The Lord says to Peter, you know, he, he whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen will be loosened. He also tells if you he who hears you hears me. So he gives the power to the vicar of Christ, to his church, to 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 make these laws. But these laws are not to hurt us. These laws are to they're like you know, you imagine driving your car and there's no no lights, no stop signs. It would be one big uh just total chaos. People will be crashing into each other. And so these things are a map to heaven and they help us. And I don't know about you, but what the saints are so amazing. It's like, you know, you see TV, how wicked it is, Hollywood, but imagine if it was used for the glory of God, like when they make good movies, like The Passion, Mel Gibson made, uh, there was one for the greater glory about Blessed Jose, the uh, in the, the Criseo. I mean, these movies set your heart on fire, and, and the lives of the saints are better than any fiction movie, you know, any, any story you could make up. These are real stories. These are documented stories, witnesses, the miracles of the saints, like to my patron saint in religion is Isaac, uh, after Isaac Joe's, a North American martyr. 
I, I read you read uh, Saint of the Hurons and uh, Saint Among Savages. It's the stories of the and the Jesuits. They really, uh, really were diligent in recording everything right there. Uh, and there's like over seventy volumes of. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I'll think of it. But 70 volumes of their writings documented what happened when they came to America, not for to make uh, to get rich, but to bring souls to Christ. And so when you read these stories, it's just spectacular, the love that these saints have for God. And so this is important, you know, that you, and so now you, you know, normally you get a, your first name and then you get a second name. Like my baptism name was James and my middle name was Joseph. And then at confirmation, it's even awesome, even more awesome, you get to pick another one. Mine was St. Raphael. And it's amazing how your saint names really means a lot. And as you go on in your life, you could see more and more like St. Raphael, I didn't realize, one the patron saint for priest's wife because he's the saint for healing with Tobias and everything, but the healing of the soul. So he's a saint, a patron for confessors. And as a priest, I'm a confessor. So it's just everything falls in line. So this is so important that when you do your morning offering, you call on the communion of the saints. You call on your patron saints first, without a doubt. And and you pray for them to help you, to guide you. And, and they're storming heaven for you. And they could do, you know, like, you know, so many saints that when they, they want to go to heaven because they could do more for us in heaven they could do on earth. And it's true because they have the beatific vision. And so it should really uh, bring us peace of soul, not complain. Well, I want to name my daughter Sky. I heard that name, uh, all these names, uh, the cra- names that are just secular names. They have no meaning to them. And some of them are bad names too, so you don't want that. So once again, the Supreme Lord of the Church is salvation of souls. And so besides your patron saints, then we all have anyone who has any devotion has uh, saints that they they have devotion to. And and this is what's so awesome. Uh, There's saints for all kinds of saints. There's saints that never committed a mortal sin, like Teresa Littleflower, St. John Vianney, the stories of the saints are amazing. There's saints that was wicked sinners. Saint Augustine, who didn't convert till he was in his thirties, and he had a child at a wedlock and everything, became one of the great doctors of the church. Some say the greatest doctor of the church. And we could go on and on. A uh, uh, Saint, uh, thinking of Saint Margaret of Cotona, a great Franciscan saint. What a story she has! And so, uh, no matter what going on in your life no matter what you've been through there's a saint that's been canonized that lived that that life the exact life that you're living say you say uh matt talbot who was a wicked alcoholic a wicked alcoholic in ireland and he took the pledge uh two times i think uh he broke it the first time he may even broke it the second they would take the pledge not to drink but he finally took the pledge and kept it and that's, he became such, he was a third order Franciscan. So if this, like, if you're having a problem with alcohol, you pray to Mount Tablet, a tablet, uh, tablet. And so a lot of times you, you should be praying to saints too that have the, that excelled in a particular virtue that you're trying to acquire or one that had the vice that you had that overcame it. So, so like a blessed Matt there, he had a, he, 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 ended up excelling in temperance and hardcore penance. He overcame uh, giving into drunkenness. And so whatever you're doing out there, whatever, no matter how far away you are from God, there's a saint that could inspire you and, and push you forward and something we could look up. And that's why St. John Vianney, he always, you know what he did more than anything? He studied the, the, the science of the saints, science of the saints, which means he studied the lives of the saints. And I could tell you this, uh, you know, I, I was away from the church for 17 years. And when I came back, that's one what got me on fire again, too. When I came back, I started reading biographies of saints and I couldn't put it down. I was just devouring them. And and so when you read the biographies of saints and I always recommend to people that I guide to always keep a biography of a saint at the side of your bed. 
So like at night before you go to bed, you want to go to bed with good, holy thoughts because you don't, you don't want to have bad dreams. You want to be fortified in God. And so it's nice to read a, like a biography of a saint or it could be spirit, another spiritual reading or, or saints on, on what they have written because – you know, today, so many people, they're reading all these books. I can't believe, like Catholics, they're reading books about center and prayer and all this nonsense, Eastern mysticism. When we got the greatest, greatest teachings in the Catholic Church on how to pray. You want to pray, you go you look up St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, that are the doctors of the church on prayer. And and it's it'll, it'll blow your mind, and, and you'll learn so much. You'll grow in wisdom and knowledge. And you'll grow in holiness. And, you know, just like anything else, if you want to be a good baseball player, you're not going to play with people that can't play ball, you know, that people can't hit, they can't feel. You know, you, you, you're, if you're smart, you're going to play. If you're not prideful, you're going to play with people that are better than you so you can better yourself. It's the same thing with us. We got to look to the saints because I always tell people when you read the lives of the saints, it's like they take the theology, but they bring it to life. They teach you how to live that catechism that you're studying. They teach you, you know, how to trust in God, how to have this deep confidence in God. It's it's beautiful. And I, I, I can't tell you this uh, how awesome it is and how it's been one of the greatest gifts for me since my conversion over 33 years ago now. Came back to church constantly. I'm, I love reading the lives of the saints. Uh and and there's saints that will teach us how to how to pray, teach how to do penance. Like I never forget when I was in my novitiate, it was really hardcore. And there was a book that I picked up, and she's not a saint, which I'm sure she is. You know, uh, Yosefa, Sister Yosefa Mendez on the way of divine love, and that she was a victim soul. This this young nun, and she only lasted like four years in religious life, and God burnt her out kind of because he used to let her physically go to hell every to suffer especially for priests that they wouldn't end up in hell and i was going through a lot of suffering a lot of pain a lot of purification and you know hindsight's the best vision i thank god for that when you're going through it it's tough but when i was reading this sister yosefa i was i was like amazed and her, her superiors didn't believe believe her she told them that she jesus takes her to hell and lets her suffer there for hours at a time and they so one day her two superiors are in the cell uh that's that's your room in religious life and they was she was sitting in the middle of the two of them and they're looking at her like she was mentally ill oh sister we're worried about you all this you know you you say you're going and all of a sudden poof she was gone she she wasn't there no more those nuns were they, they were panicking. They started praying the rosary, and I forgot. It's been a while since I read it, and I should read it again. They took. They started praying. All of a sudden, after a certain amount of time, it was a while. Sister Yosefa pops up in the middle of them again. A habit was on fire. The stench of sulfur was so bad they had to run out because they were going to vomit. And so she describes hell. And let me tell you something. Uh, it's it's horrible, and 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 she even says she does no justice to it. So you, you read saints like that that have God let them see hell to warn us, so we don't want to go there, you know. And it, it's just amazing. And and then, but one thing about that book, it it gives you a desire to unite with Christ on the cross. All the saints do to pick up your cross and follow him and that he commands us. And this is what you get out of when you start reading the lives of the saints. You'll never read the life of a saint that the saint didn't suffer. And the holier the saint was, the more they suffer. Like most people love St. Padre Pio, but you know how many people? I've met a lot of priests that don't like him. They, they don't mention that name. That's a, he's sick. He, you know, he'll just love to suffer. He loved to suffer, not for the sake of suffering, but he loved to suffer because he was united with Christ. He was a walking, living crucifix, and he was paying price for other people's sins on earth. He always believed he was going to hell, St. Pio. But anyway, I can't encourage you enough. The lives of the saints, the re, and when you find like a saint re, writing about another saint, that's gold. My, my old professor, Father Alphonse Sutton, who I believe was a saint without a doubt, he used to tell us that all the time. And so, for instance, 
you many people think they know who my holy father saint francis is because they watched uh, a stupid movie excuse me called brother son and sister moon it's so ridiculous a movie I, first time i watched that I, I put it on and there's saint francis on top of a roof clay roof in the morning the sun's coming up and he's running barefoot with a see drew nightgown on chasing a sparrow like some hippie on lsd that is such nonsense that's not saint francis and so but so when you read saint bonaventure the great seraphic doctor who's considered the second founder of the franciscan order when you read his biography on saint francis you're gonna you'll finally meet the real saint francis for instance most people believe that he was a playboy like he was another saint augustine lived a, a really bad life but saint bonaventure said he never lost his baptismal innocence i don't know about you but i believe saint bonaventure uh you'll learn you know why why did all the animals come up to saint francis saint bonaventure will basically show because it said it was as he said it's as if adam didn't sin in francis in other words one of the punishments of original sin was adam and eve were kicked out of the garden before they were kicked out of the garden the animals were their friends they didn't eat the animals they came right up to them but after the whole world went into chaos after uh after original sin just give me one minute here uh so these are the things you're going to learn when you start uh, reading the lives of the saints and i i said this before but i'll say it again because it was probably one of the great uh greatest piece of advice i received from father alphonse sudden he was going back to rome and i said father what advice can you give me he goes uh before you go back he goes he says my son never waste your time reading good books and I'm looking at him, but I know he had, he had a gem coming. He said, only read the best. And by that, I mean the fathers and the doctors and the saints of the church. He goes, when you do that, you won't waste time and you'll grow in wisdom and holiness. And so, and that's why I don't bother most of these modern authors. You know, I don't bother reading. If you don't have ST before your name, I read others, don't get me wrong, but mostly I'm looking for the right, the saints. When I want to look up what this scripture passage mean, you know, I'll go to the doctors, of the fathers of the church, St. John Christendom, for instance, one of my favorites. Uh, you know, it's just awesome, man, uh, awesome. And so today, too, in our times, I think it's really important to have devotion to the martyrs. Because we, what we need is that the martyrs especially excelled in fortitude. They, they didn't give in to suffering. And they would never, never abandon God. They never rejected him, even if it meant having their heads cut off. And so St. Alphonse wrote a book. The first half of the book is the early first 300 years of the Catholic Church in, in the Roman Colosseum and all. And it's phenomenal. And then the second part is a Japanese modern. So you could read uh, uh, one story a day even. It will it will really elevate you and it will give you hope because, let's face it, we're all hurting. We're living in the, the pits of hell right now. All hell is let loose. And so we need heroes to look up to, heroes that didn't give in, heroes that overcame the demonic heroes that said i don't care if you cut my head off because god promised he'll put it back on that's what we need they pump you up these martyrs and then we pray to them please pray to god for me blessed mother if it and you know if it's god's will that i die martyr please let it be and some people tell you, you can't pray to be a martyr well the saints tell you different it's a good thing to desire knowing that you can't do it without the grace so I recommend, and these books will be listed. Matter of fact, I told Max before, there's a, we're going to list some websites, uh, traditional Catholic books, there's one and two, and hundreds, when I say hundreds, hundreds of books that you could download if you want or just read them online, and hundreds of biographies of saints. Uh, it will blow your mind. Uh, catechism books, books for theology for priests, and uh, commentaries on the scriptures, it, it's phenomenal so we're going to put this in a link for you today and so the next thing i want to say too is when you pray to these saints 
you want to pray to saints that have the same vocation as you too, that you could, you know, because you'll have so much in common. I'm a priest. I'm a missionary priest. I've been preaching missions my whole priesthood. So I was always tended, you know, I love all the saints, of course, but I love the real, the missionary saints, like St. Alphonse Gori, St. Leonard of Port Maurice, St. John Capistrano, St. Bernardine of Siena, St. Vincent Ferreira, St. Ignatius Loyola, all of these missionary saints that went out and preached missions. It, it, and it really helps you, and you think. So if you're married, there's saints that will canonize that are married and will help you with your vocation. And this is beautiful. Like tomorrow is going to be the feast of saint blaze and a lot of people you know we know uh we get the blessing of the throat because of a miracle that he performed but a lot of people i'll tell you real quick how saint blaze died he was a bishop and he was looking for solitude so he went he was living in a cave and these the the emperor needed lions to devour the christians they were running out of lions and uh so they sent the the army out and so all of a sudden, these, these soldiers came into a cave, and they couldn't believe their eyes. There was St. Uh, Blaze with all these lions just hanging around like they were pet dogs almost. And he couldn't believe it. So they went back, and they told the emperor. And the emperor said, bring him back here. So they brought him back, and the emperor wanted him to worship false gods, and St. Blaze wouldn't. So they took him down to the lake, and they were going to kill him, right? And so all of a sudden he heard a voice, St. Blaze. Meanwhile, they tortured him first with uh, ripping, you know, with knives and ripping him, uh, scourging him. With, it was horrible what he went through. You could read the whole story. I'm giving you a quick version. And St. Blaze heard a voice from the heavens said, Blaze, come out, walk on the water, walk on the lake. So St. Blaze uh, walked on the water, on the lake, and he's walking on, and he gets to the middle of the lake and he sits on top of the water. Great miracle, right? And he yells to the soldiers, they were the ones that were going to put in the debt, why don't you guys try it? So some soldiers try and they drown. Another group tried and they drowned. So finally he heard a voice from heaven and said, Blaze, go to your martyrdom. And then he walked off the water, walked back on top of the water to the shore, and they and they cut his head off. So I don't know about you, but that's in, it's encouraging. These are the, I want to follow in the footsteps of these great men and encourages us in our day that we don't have to be afraid. Yes, all hell is let loose, but guess what? Greater is he who is in me than who is in the world. If God is for me, who can be against us? Who can be against me? And this is what we'll get from reading the saints, and the, the teachings are just phenomenal. Today, too, we will sell, offer and celebrate great feasts, the presentation of Jesus in the temple, the purification or candle mass. And also, another great feast today is the Feast of Our Lady of Good Success, which is, I mean, I could spend hours and hours on, on these, these just topics right here. But our Lord was presented in the temple. He was offered, and St. Simeon offered him to God the Father. And uh, Our Lady, they followed the laws at the time. And uh, it's it's just packed, packed, packed with so many things for, for our reflection. And we see today, the St. Alphonse tell us that Our Lady presented Jesus to St. Simeon. God was seeking her permission to crucify her son. It was his son, too, of course. But it was also Our Lady's son. And St. Alphonse said that God wanted permission of Our Lady to say, yes, crucify my son. And she, she didn't know everything, but she knew a lot more than they give her credit for because she had infused knowledge. She, had, uh, she was studying the temple herself since she was three years old. So Our Lady offers Our Lord, and she does that knowing, too, that this means our salvation, that her and her son, her seed, crushes the head of the serpent. And that when she said yes, St. Simeon warned her that his sword would pierce her heart, that he warned her about her martyrdom, that she would be the queen of martyrdoms, and uh, the queen of martyrs. And she is. She suffered more than all the saints and angels together. And they called the purification. Our Lady, it was the, the Jewish law that if the woman gave birth, if it was a boy, a male, she'd have to be pure. She had to wait 40 days to be purified if it was a of female, it would double the time, 80 days. So she, but she went, but she didn't have to go. 
she didn't have to be purified because our lady was a virgin before during and after the birth of christ and anyone who says different is a heretic and outside the church so there's so much packed in here the, the simeon the old man and anna the prophetess the they heard the word of god these are holy they're saints saint simeon saint anna they heard the word of God, that God told them that they would see the Messiah, that he would not take them. And it waited many, many, many years. But they were faithful to their vocation. They kept going to the temple and praying. They kept doing penance. They kept believing in the promises that God has given them. And they're great examples for us today that we too cannot give up. That God has promised that he has prepared a home for us in heaven. That he promises that he will reward us for this that he, all his promises are true and we could bet our lives on it. But we pray to those faithful uh, saints, help us to, that we may have that spirit that you had. I'm sure they were mocked in their time too. And just like those that are faithful today are being mocked. Those that really have the true faith are being mocked. It's the devil. But, you know, we, we, we follow their lead and we're not going to give up. We're not going to stop praying we're not going to stop doing penance and we're not going to leave the true church we're not going to give in to it and it, this is powerful and i real quick our lady of good success is she appeared in the 1600s over 400 years ago and uh it, it's a spectacular story to mother mariana torres who's incorrupt and besides her, I think there's at least 11 other nuns in that comment that are incorrupt. They were Franciscan conceptionist nuns. And I recommend you please uh, look up the prophecies of Our Lady of Good Success. Our Lady knew they would hide the dirt secret of Fatima from us, so she gave it to us 400 years, 300 years before Fatima. She talks about what would happen to the lead. She talks about how those that should speak out in these wicked times that we live will remain silent. And that's all the our prelates, basically, and it's happening. She told that there'd be no virgins left in our times, no modesty. She talks about the corruption of the priests that and the and and the good priests will suffer for the bad ones. I I have a talk on the internet on YouTube, you can look it up and I go over it's around an hour and twenty minute talk on the prophecies of our lady of good success. And that's a beautiful apparition, and it's approved by Rome. She's crowned too, and she tells us in in that apparition that it's that apparition was unknown for many years. It was only for our time now, and she said that it will get so bad where even the faithful will all be ready to give up, believing there's no hope. She goes, it is at that time when everyone thinks there's no hope that my heart will triumph. My heart will triumph. So please read the life of Mother Mariana Torres is, is one of the greatest biographies I ever read on saints, a total victim soul. She died, I don't know, two or three times. She came back to life. It's spectacular. The statue of Lady of Good Success, when uh, they picked the greatest, a great artist to do it, and he wanted to make sure that the painting, when he came time to paint it, that it would be the best paint. So he went to Spain. And when he came back, right before he was ready to paint it, a lady sent it, St. Michael, St. Raphael, St. Gabriel, and my Holy Father, St. Francis, and they finished painting the statue. And it's it's amazing. Uh, it's just amazing. So I highly recommend we could go on talking about the saints forever. And uh, so please tap into these things, and uh, it will change your life, believe me. Max, you have anything uh, you want to comment on about the saints praying to him? And yeah, it's always awesome. I, I've I've used the phrase before that um, you are the average of the of your five closest friends, and there's no reason why through the communion of saints we can't, uh, in a sense, have the saints as our best friends. And like you said, reading the the biographies, the more you get to know them, the more you can imitate them in their virtue and and know how to pray to them. And obviously we have patrons for all of our different uh, vocations or states in life. For, for example, I can pray to St. Joseph as being a husband and a father. I picked the name Max for this podcast because St. Maximilian Kolbe was uh, somewhat of a pioneer in using uh, communication technology to spread the faith. Um, he didn't have the internet, but he was using amateur radio. Um, I don't know who the patron of computer programming would be. I, I just generally default that to St. Joseph. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's good to have um, 
a good Catholic cartel of saints, um, as opposed to the other kinds of Catholic cartels that are out there. So, uh, definitely have good friends. Well, the name speaks for itself. Soldiers of the Immaculate. So it's uh, under our lady, which would be the patroness, but, uh, it's uh yeah it's it's uh, like I said it really encourages you and there's a there's a saint for everyone out there believe me a saint for and you'll just there's some saints you just click with it's like like meeting people you know because they are real people in heaven though you 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 could go to, say to a party you meet someone you don't like them right away there's all the people you meet you like you feel like you know them your whole life and that's how it is with the saints when you start reading them you're gonna click more with this one or that one and 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 that's from god god's showing you okay i'm giving you another saint to, to help get you to heaven so the, the next thing i want to talk about is and i didn't plan on talking about this today when i was on the internet and i've talked about this before but uh it, it's really mind-boggling and i want to talk about the catholic cartels <laughs> you know the cartel is right down at the border and basically what I'm talking about is Catholic charities, the Catholic charities under the Catholic U.S. bishops are the, bi the biggest human child sex traffickers in the world now. And this is no nonsense. And I recommend we'll put it up. There's a website, uh, complicitclergy.com. Just spell it out, complicitclergy.com. And they have so much information on there about this. It's my videos documenting this stuff. And the evidence is overwhelming. And once again, that the Catholic charities down there are trafficking these poor, innocent children. There are over 80, 85,000 children that are unaccountable now and missing that the, you, we know of coming through the border. Where did these 80? That's almost two football stadiums full of children. Where are they? And there's sex, and these children are being abused. And you see the videos, it's obvious these kids are drugged and everything. And then they're also they're proving that some of these kids, they bring them over, they're not their children. And then they recycle the kid. They get him back over on the other side of the border and let another young man come who's acting like he's coming with his family, who's a military age, basically terrorist, come back in with that kid, same kid again. But this is a, this is really demonic. It's, it's the, they say over 30% of the women that cross their border now are being raped. And not just once, but many time and time and time over. This is this if this doesn't break your heart, and this is part of the problem with Americans, Catholics. If we don't see it, it doesn't bother us. We act like we don't know it's happening. That's what the the, the crime of abortion is is so it, it's so bad. But most people they don't see what happens when they go to the abortionist. They don't see that doctor ripping the fingers and arms and legs off that baby, ripping it shred. Animals don't even do that. It's a hidden sin, so we don't see, and people don't like to. That's why the major news news broadcasters are all in cahoots. They're all owned by the globalists, the Satanists that are trying to take over the whole world, and nobody's upset about this. The bishops are being paid off by our corrupt government. That's what's going on, and all, the bishops should put an end to this. The only thing that, besides right now, the only thing that's really going to stop this whole globalist crisis, this whole move to turn the whole world to communism, is our God, ultimately. But the bottom line, the Catholic Church has the power to stop it. Always did. But we got uh, the, uh, Bogolia, uh, he's a communist. He, he holds all these communists. It's, it's sickening. All our bishops are going along with this taking money for Catholic charities, they should be shutting Catholic charities down because they should, you know, just, that's it. The ball, uh, abolished it totally. And they're getting millions and millions and millions of U.S. bishops. But you know what? The blood of these babies are on all those bishops. The blood of the these women that are getting raped and murdered. They're also using these children and these other people that are trafficking to harvest organs, kidneys they're selling, uh, uh, livers they're selling, hearts, everything. I'm not making this stuff up, my friends. And what are we, what are our bishop should be the one on the top of the mountain saying this is going to stop. 
And what are they worried about? Their tax-exempt money? They're not even worried so much about that now because just like during the uh, scamdemic, they were paid billions by the U.S. government to shut up and shut down the churches and deprive you people of the sacraments, deprive you of the Eucharist. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you won't have eternal life. Deprive people of baptism. Deprive people of getting absolution when they're in mortal sin. What is going on? So these bishops, once again, they will answer for everything. They're not only going to answer for every woman, every child that's trafficked, but all the other crimes taking place in this country because of this mass invasion that is unjust, that's against God. Yes, we don't hate people, but you know what? Our country has legitimate laws. We are a sovereign nation. And the Catholic Church has always backed this up, that sovereign nations have a right to limit immigration. But they also have an obligation to protect the well-being of their citizens. And so the only Catholic thing to do is to shut down that border. Shut down that border and, 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 and stop this, these crimes. And so I'm telling you, go on that website, complicitclergy.com. And you know what? You have to see this. Because if you don't think you're going to be affected, affected by this, you're on, you're on drugs. I have a friend of mine who has a restaurant in, in Milwaukee. And last night, these two people, young young 16-year-olds, they didn't want to pay the bill. They ran out, and he went outside. And you know what they did to him? They pepper sprayed him. Pepper sprayed him. He's, I mean, here's a man with nine kids, and he's been he's getting he, this is he's had a business there over 45 years. The whole country is going to hell. Cops in this New York City were beat up, and they let the man. They were arrested them, and they let them go. This is all part of the communist manifesto, my friend. Rules for radical, cause anarchy, cause rebellion. You know, strip people of their faith, let people despair. They want us to have racial wars here. They want us to rise up so they can implement martial law. They are coming down on us, my friends. And that's why you got to get ready. You got to get serious. You got to be prayer warriors. You got to be on your knees doing penance and sacrifice. You have to fast. Because the only thing that casts demons like, like there's prayer and fasting. We have to beg Our Lady for the consecration of Russia so that the Russia will be consecrated and there'll be a reign of peace. And so, you know, complicit clergy. So who are these bishops, these U.S. bishops? Who, who are they in union with? Who are they uh, complicit with? I'll tell you who they're in. They're in with Satan. That's who they are. They are following the devil. They are. And his cohorts, all right? Catholic politicians. Uh, the President of the United States is a Roman Catholic. He's no Catholic. He's outside the church. That poor slob is on his way to hell. He's, in a, he's probably a reprobate, unfortunately, at this point. And the problem is our U.S. bishops are the problem. The Pope's the problem. Because all these men, Nancy Pelosi, that witch, What's going on? They are already they're excommunicated, what they call latte sententiae, automatic excommunication. They know you can't murder babies, but they do. And their blood of all the babies that die are on them. But they're also on the bishops, even more so. So all these bishops, they should be excommunicating people like Joe Biden, of course, and any other Catholic politician who's not following the law. And all this nonsense about the, you can't preach from the pulpit, nonsense. There's no such thing. It's been condemned, separation of church and state, especially when salvation of souls are at risk. And we're, they are at risk. So, my friends, who can be shocked by the quote of St. John Christendom when he says that the road, and I quote him, the road and the walls of hell are paved with the head of bishops. I'm telling you, my friends, you better wake up. If you're giving money to the bishops in any way, cut them off. Don't give them spit. And I mean not even spit. Give them nothing. Let them. They, these are not men of God. These are devils. They should be screaming from the rooftop. And those that are silent are guilty too. 
they must speak up. They, when they became bishops, they take basically promised that they'll lay their life down for the flock. What about these 85,000 young children that came over the border that, that are, are sex slaves now, being abused, being uh, murdered too? Where are they? How come they're not crying out for them? Unbelievable. So my friend, and here's the thing, if this stuff doesn't bother you, and you people say, ah, Father Isaac, will you shut up enough? No, it makes me sick to even think that this can happen to a young kid. I'm begging God. I don't, you know, my ways are not your ways. As far as the heavens are above the earth, my ways are above yours. Why God hasn't put an end to this? I don't know. And I'm not quite, but I'm, I'm like, please, Lord, protect these children. Put an end to this. And the only way it's going to end is with the great chastisements. And at times I want to say, you know, let's, I want to start a novena. And the novena will be to bring the fulfillment of the Fatima and Akita, a lady of Akita, Lasalet chastisement. But then I know our Lord said, you know, like it's to the sons of Dunder. It's not, it's not up to us. It's up to God. And when the time comes, he'll send the angel and he'll separate the wheat from the chaff and it will be done. But let us pray for these poor kids every day. These women, you know, not all of everyone coming over the border is evil. We know that. And that's the sin. But they're not helping these people. We're not giving acts of charity by opening up the borders, letting them come in. When we know they're going to be raped, maybe murdered, be sex trafficked. How, how, how is that a charitable act? So we got it. We got to pray for an end to this, but pray for these poor victims. But the sadder part is the stats are this, my friends, 50% of the people coming over the borders are guess what? 50% are males, single males of military age. So what is that telling you? It's telling you that a lot of them are terrorists and they caught them. And then we have all the fentanyl, the drugs coming in through the cartels. I mean, it's ridiculous. And then we hear, oh, we have a border crisis. If they only just would follow, implement the, the laws. But our bishops are breaking the law by allowing Catholic charities to be part of this demonic thing. And they're all going to burn, every last one of them, unless they repent. It, it, it's just mind-boggling, mind-boggling. Please, my friends, when you're doing your prayer and penance, Think about it. Imagine if that was you or your children. Imagine if that was your wife or your daughter coming across the border. And your children being, <laughs> it's its very sad. But my friends, by not acknowledging it, it's not going to go away. Not. God wants us to speak up. He wants you to write letters to your local bishop, whoever he is, and tell him, knock it off. Put an end. Start speaking up about this. But they don't. There's no money in doing the right thing, unfortunately. And like you said, most of the most of the bishops are following the path of Judas and not the rest of the apostles. It's bad. And that's why you wonder why there's they're canceling priests and priests. You know, let me tell you something. Because you can't be today a faithful Catholic priest, spend many years now, my friends, and be in union with the counterfeit church. You can't. It's a counterfeit church. What these bishops are doing is not Catholic. What Francis is doing is not Catholic. It's a counterfeit church. Get it? I hope so. And and, and speaking on that, uh, the, the real quick, it's not even worth spending much time on it, but this is sad too. Just last week, we see that the Vatican permitted... Anglican Mass at St. John Lateran Cathedral in Rome. Imagine that. That priests like me are forbidden to offer the true sacrifice to the Mass. But they let these Anglicans who are heretics, that's right, they're all heretics. Anglicans, when Pope Leo XIII made it very clear, there is no question, they're invalid orders. So when they went there, had this counterfeit Mass, it's not a Mass. There's no transubstantiation taking place. They basically desecrate that temple. That's what they did. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And then they also, from what I understand, I think they had Vespers in uh, St. Peter's, the greatest uh, basilica in the world. You know, but what? But does this shock you? 
It doesn't shock me at all. And you know, I get really mad when I hear people say, oh, I wish Pope Benedict was here. What do you think Pope Benedict did? He did the same nonsense. Maybe he didn't let them have a mass, but guess what? At John Paul's so-called requiem mass, if that's what you want to call it, he gave communion, that's Cardinal, Cardinal Ratzica, to Brother Roger, who was a Protestant. That's the whole thing. The whole, the whole thing behind this, my friends, let's face it, is the Second Vatican Council. And this is the fruits of the council. It's rotten fruit. It's gone. There is nothing good comes out of the, the Second Vatican Council. It's, it's destroyed so much of Catholicism. The church is still the true virgin bride of Christ. It will never be destroyed. But we're down to a remnant, my friends. We're down to a real small remnant, a small remnant. So, and I'm going to tell you this. I'm, I'm hearing more and more and more. God, thank God there's people out there that, that they're taking stands now. They had enough. The bishops will not provide for them. They won't give them the sacraments. They won't let them have the Trinity Mass. So you know what they're doing? They're finding canceled priests, all kinds of stuff like that, and they're coming and they're having the true Mass, and they had enough. They want the true faith. And so, my friends, here where I'm going, the church, the true church is, is going underground. It's really been underground for a while. Underground, my friends, underground. Get ready and take it serious. Stop compromising, my friends. Stop compromising. Stop feeding those 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 evil bishops. Don't give them ten cents. Don't give them ten cents. Okay, Father. We have several questions that were emailed in, and if you have questions, also the email address for that is podcast at soti.blog, B-L-O-G. First question, uh, for a woman trying to practice Mary-like modesty in clothing within her home and household, is it acceptable to dress inside the home in a manner that would be not modest outside the home? Well, here's a question you could put to yourself when you're in that position. Uh, what what did you think our lady did in her time? You think uh, she could say, uh, what would she do? And that's a good question. You know, I get that. My mother uh, said that to my sisters one day because they wanted to know why my mother never smoked. And she just said, because our lady did it. You know, and it's a good it's a good answer. It's a, Because in modesty, first of all, your angel's there. God, you, you know, God sees you at all times. But it's going to dispose you little by little to be immodest. And once you start dressing a certain way, you're going to want to dress like that out of the house. It's just honor, honor yourself. You know, your body is a true temple, temple of the Holy Ghost, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And so really, especially like if you're married too, you have, you have children in the house, it's no good. So I would say try to always be modest. It's a virtue. You know, you're not supposed to practice virtue part-time, put it that way. One of the uh, uh, qualifications for saint, uh, saints is that did they exercise heroic virtue consistently, consistently. Okay, the next question. Father, how can we reconcile the messages from Our Lady's apparitions at Fatima, Quito, Rome, Our Lady of Revelations, that is, uh, La Salette, and Akita with our times? Well, to me, that's kind of obvious in a sense. If you read all, all the the apparitions, first of all, Our Lady, it's the same Blessed Mother. Number one, you'd be surprised. Some people think Lady of Fatima is different than Our Lady of, uh, say, Quito. No, it's the same Blessed Mother, and basically, they they all are saying the same message. And it's amazing, if anything, when you really read them and study them. And I have, you could see we're living it. It's our time. She warned us about this, and and you know, plus those those apparitions will give you some a hope and courage, uh, strength too. That we know we're going to get through it. But you know, the good will suffer with the bad. It's all there. We see everything Our Lady revealed that we know in Fatima is happening before our eyes. Uh, Our Lady, like I said, a good success. Forget about it. Just go read. You know, go read about all the prophecies or you want to listen to the video I did on. I go over most of them. It's mind-boggling. But 
you'll, you you can't help but recognize that we're living it. Okay, Father. Next question, Father. I work in a hypermasculine, male-dominated field. Do you have any practical advice on how to steer conversations or avoid less than virtuous guy talk so it doesn't become an occasion of sin? We don't know if that's a man or a woman it, question. It's a man. It's a man. Well, well, when you say hypermasculine uh, today, that means you're just a man usually. <laughs> but remember, if you're a real man, you're going to follow St. Joseph and our Lord. That's what a real man does. So uh, number one, people blaspheme. You know, we, we're obliged to correct them. Uh, but there is comes a time, too, where if, when we have to give fraternal correction, there's a, a rule that you don't correct someone that you know is not open to being correct. And you know why? Because you're going to bring more sin into the world. And so in other words, like I corrected someone once for blasphemy. And you know what they did? They just blasphemed 10 more times in a row to, because they knew it bothered me. And it was a shame because they're heaping coals upon their head. So that's one thing. Number two, like if they start telling jokes, like it's a mortal sin to tell impure jokes. It's a mortal sin to listen to impure jokes. So if someone's telling an impure joke, you walk away or you you don't laugh, that's for sure. But you you just make them know you want nothing to do. You know, my friend's body language speaks louder than words. And so you know how to do this. We all do. When we, we, we want someone to know we don't agree with them. Uh, but here's the thing. Most people today, most men are not men, and they give in to what we call human respect. And this is what I'm trying to say. This is what we we got to change our, our ways now. We can't give in to human respect, which means you put humans before God. And we don't care then if we offend God as long as we're pleasing to our neighbor. No, that's human respect. It's horrible. So walk away. Don't engage. And... You know, you have to consider people like that a uh, near occasion of sin. Uh, and so what do we do? If we can't, there's necessary occasions of sin, which means that we have no choice. We can't. We have to go to work and there's all these men. So what we have to do is try to make the situation remote instead of proximate. So at work, you know, you if you can avoid people, you don't have to deal with some of these people. Don't deal with them. Stay away from them, you know. Uh, that's the best advice I can get. And your 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 department, your actions speak louder than words. So you be the good example. You you don't use bad language. You don't use impure language. And and let me tell you something. It happens because when these men they may be tough and this and that, but when they start having trouble, they're not going to go to their buddy who's just as bad as they are. They're going to look for the Catholic who they know makes the sign of the cross when they have lunch. They're going to look for someone who they saw praying the rosary, someone that they know is walking the way of God, and hopefully that would be you. Father, how do I get rid of generational spirits? My wife and I both have Freemasons in our family. Are there any special prayers to rid ourselves of possible demonic association with us? Well, it's a good question, and it's 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 there's so much out there now, and and I don't agree with a lot of it because there's so many lay people being told that they can do these deliverance prayers for themselves and their family, that a father has authority over the wife and their children, and I and that is true, but the problem is they're doing these uh, deliverance prayers, commanding demons. And they don't have the authority to command a demon to leave, and it causes a lot of problems. I can't tell you how many calls I get, uh, and it's not only me. Other priests talk that I talk to, they call me too. <clears throat> they're having the same thing, that they're seeing so many people that once they start doing certain deliverance prayers and taking authority over the demon, uh, they have nothing but problems. So... The best weapon I suggest is the weapon that Our Lady said is the preferred weapon of the Holy Trinity. It's the rosary. Uh, our Sister Lucia said, the Blessed Mother told her at Fatima that Jesus Christ, her son, gave a deeper efficacy to the rosary. It's the weapon for our time. And so when you pray your rosary, you could pray if there's uh, Masonic curses on us. 
you know, please bless the mother, break them. Uh, if you could find a priest to do prayers, there are prayers, and I've done them with people to break the Masonic curses, but I recommend you have a priest do that part that you just don't do it on your own. Uh, uh, it's, it's really thing. The other thing is you could have prayer. Uh, I recommend a lot to have masses uh, for generational healing, and you got to find a, a priest that will do it because you know, some of the traditional priests, I don't know why, but they don't like to do those prayers for generational healing. They think it's charismatic, but it's a good intention. So I have done many times and I've seen a lot of fruits from it. And maybe one more. Um, Father, could you clarify something you said about the number of days attached to an indulgence? I thought it didn't equal time out of purgatory, but it was equivalent to the number of days of public penance from previous times. Yeah, I apologize. Uh, that's correct what you just said there. I made a mistake there. It's not the days in purgatory taken off, but it's the in the old code it was if you committed sin, they would give you so many days to, to do the penance. And but you know, so so that, that that is correct. Whoever wrote in, thank you for bringing that up. Next question, Father, can you please substitute the office for my rosary, like you said? I think this question is a reference to uh, you said that priests can commute uh, or change or, or substitute uh, praying the holy office, not the holy office. It's the little office of Our Lady uh, that you can pray the rosary instead of that uh, yeah. for the seventeen privileges. Does that require going to a yeah, local you should, priest? You, yeah, you go to go to your confessor for that. Okay. Uh, next question: um, As somebody who brought back to the faith. Uh, by the traditional movement. Sometimes I feel that the traditional movement does not adequately emphasize joy of faith. How do you think we can correct this? Oh, come on. We're not all dour trads, are we? <laughs> I, I, yeah, you hear that a lot. You always hear that you trads, you got no charity, you got doctrine, no charity, and uh, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? You, 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 you can't have, if you have joy without charity, you're lost too. And so many people... You know, just like, you know what, charity, the joy starts with you. You be a joyful person, and hopefully you're going to, just like anything else, you're going to influence others. But uh, that's that's what I would say. You be joyful, and you'll influence a lot of other people. And uh, the bottom line is there's, there's a lot of people that, I mean, I'm dealing with. I can't tell you, my friends, how heavy, heavy-hearted people are these days. And I get calls that just, it's sometimes I have to start praying the Holy Ghost. What do I say to this person? This person is, you don't know. You know, there's an old saying, Indian saying, don't judge a man till you walk a mile in his moccasins. You know, some people have no joy because you don't know that they have a terrible illness and, they're, you know, and they're in excruciating pain, but they're covering, you know, they're carrying themselves. You don't know why people sometimes are like that. And it's good to be joyful, but everybody has a different personality. And uh, so I wouldn't get caught up on that. But you bring the joy then. St. Francis Assisi says, my Holy Father, where there is no love, put it there, and it will be there. So where there is no joy, put it there. Okay, the next question. Father, we travel over three hours to get to the closest traditional Latin Mass. Sometimes the weather or sickness keeps us from traveling that distance. Uh, they list over 180 miles uh, in order to get to Mass. We have a Novosorto Mass just 15 minutes from where we live that we could go to when we can't get to our Latin Mass. However, instead of going to the Novosorto Mass, we just watch the Mass online. Should we be going to the Latin Mass only, or should we be going to the Novosorto instead? Well, first thing I say, I commend you uh, for for doing that shows that you're serious and that it is worth it to drive three hours to, to go to a traditional Latin mass. Unfortunately today, a lot of people can't do it because number one, they can't afford it. The gas is just too much. And that's sad. Number two, the church has always taught you don't have to go out of and more than an hour out of your way that it's, you're not obliged. And even if you, you can go an hour, if you don't have the money, you wouldn't be obliged. Now, let me put it to you this way. The rest of the question, uh, th there's definitely no comparison with the traditional Latin Mass and the Novus Ordo Mass. It's like, uh, uh, is no, there's just no comparison. I believe that the new Mass is valid but illicit. 
Uh, and uh, so, but here's what I do. When somebody, say somebody comes to confession and they, with this question, they say, Father, is, did I commit a moral sin? I, I didn't want to drive three hours. Uh, I didn't go to the Novus Auto Mass. The first thing I have to find out is what your conscience, what's the state of your conscience? I said, well, why didn't you go to the Novus Auto Mass? That's the first thing I would say. And I went, well, I was lazy. I didn't want to go. I said, well, then uh, if that's the only reason, I said, then you committed a moral sin. But if the person says to me, well, Father, I have a properly informed conscience, and I and I realized that the, the Novus Ordo strips people of their faith, and I've been my children. Uh, I don't want to expose them to that because I don't want them. I want them to have the faith, not lose it. I don't want to be my children going to the sacrifice of the mass when you see all these women half nude there. And they, then I would say you would have committed a sin if you went to mass. Then that that the Novus Ordo mass, and if you can't go, then. Then you do a whole, you do, you make, you sanctify the day. There's Sunday you could have recreation with the family too, but you, you should go on the internet. There's Trinity masses that you could either go live or from that day with, and your whole family could watch it on the internet. Use your missiles like you're at mass, you know, and then when it comes time for the communion, you do spiritual communion and God's going to reward you tremendously. Uh, that's what I recommend. Yeah, and I misspoke when I listed the question there at the end. It, the 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 question wasn't is it a mortal sin to not go to the Novus Ordo. The, it was a the question is is it a mortal sin to not go to mass and just watch a mass online. And in terms of having a, a well formed conscience on the question, I actually was considering at one time learning more about the new mass. And the priest I was talking to said, "I forbid you, as as, as your confessor, from going to the new mass. It knowing you, it would it would it would scandalize you, and you'd have questions about the faith." So, in my case, that makes it really easy. <laughs> Well, it made it easy, but the thing too, you know, like I said, uh, as far as being a confessor, I have to, if, like I said, if someone said I missed the Trinity Mass, it was too far away, and I didn't go to the new one, I have to find out, well, why didn't you go to the new one? And I don't tell them what I believe. I want to know what they believe, because I have to judge whether they committed a moral sin or not. And then I would say, well, if they say, well, like I said, I don't go because I believe it's... Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not, it's valid, but illicit. Then I say, well, then you didn't commit a sin at all. You know, you would have committed a sin to go. Like I know people that, that started going to the traditional mass during the scandemic and they can never, they, when it was over, they couldn't go back to the, to the new mass because they realized what a difference it was, you know? And, uh, and they, they, they called me and they said, well, am I committing a mortal sin? Never. I said, no, not at all. Now you'll commit a mortal sin if you go because your conscience is telling you this is this is not good. Yeah. And they mentioned something about watching the traditional mass online. I'll put a link in the show notes to latinmass.live. That is a, a continually updating list of masses that are live or upcoming. Uh, and so it, it's, a, it's a pretty comprehensive list. I'm not going to say it's all-encompassing. Uh, and that's a project that I actually – built for myself uh, at the beginning of the, the COVID lockdowns because I wanted to watch mass because I couldn't get out to daily mass and it ended up being something of general interest. So no, it, it continues to keep going and that's, I'll, I'll share that in the show notes. It's, it's serving a pretty good purpose. I think. Good. Uh, two more questions real quick. Uh, both revolt, both um, around scapulars. Um, the short version of this is, um, I'll see. After having a couple of small procedures performed under anesthesia, I know that hospitals don't want you to wear anything around your neck or your scapula. In these situations, does it count to wrap it around your foot? Um, and the, the second question, similar idea, but, but different, uh, has to do with, with uh, contact sports like uh, wrestling or swimming. Does it count to just simply have it on your person? And I, I use the term, does it count? Um, that's my words, not theirs. Uh, does it count just to have it on your person, like in your pocket, or should it be around your neck? Yeah, well, these are the, for for medical reasons. Sometimes um, I know they won't. You know, you you need operation. You're going to die. Hopefully, you've seen the priest before you went into the hospital. You know, and and confessed and everything. And that's the main thing you want to be in a state of sanctifying grace. And if they'll, I know some people just recently they had an operation. They said, I'm not taking mine off. They let them keep it on, but they weren't operating on that part of their body up there, you know? So sometimes they'll let you wrap it around your wrist. It's, 
uh, you know, the main thing is pray. Make sure you're in grace. That's the main thing. Live. Uh, you have to be ready to die at all times. And uh, that's what I, I tell you one thing. I don't I don't go without mine. But, you know, uh, as far as. I tell you, I even keep one on the on the by the shower. One that's you know they're cheap ones. I have a bunch of them, and when one wears out, I'll burn it. And but I, when I switch them and going in the shower, so I have it on me in the shower too. That's the best thing I could tell you. But normally speaking, you have to have it over your shoulder, you know. So, but if you can't, you can't, you know. And if you have to have the operation, what are you going to do? You, you know, it's you're going to have to take it, you know. Then I would say, if they let you put it on your ankle, put it on your ankle. And you know what? Our Lord, you know, I don't think he's this, you know, God, he knows your intentions. You have it on, say you have it on your ankle, your wrist, uh, you know. I would hope that our Lord would say, don't worry, you know, you got it on, you know. I don't, that's all I could say. I don't really have the answer. And again, if you have questions you'd like Father to address, the email address is podcast at S-O-T-I dot B-L-O-G. Uh, Father, did you have any other um, final things you wanted to address before we wrap up? No, that's it. Just, you know, we're coming in, getting ready for Lent. Let this be the best Lent you ever had. And and one of my advices uh, for that, too, is too many people try to take on too much at Lent penance. And uh, the greatest penance you could do is to live your vocation out to the fullest. Do all your obligations, but it's do it well. Do it with love for God. Now, I'm not telling you you should take on, you know, fasting. Of course, we have to. It's mandatory. And, you know, but I've seen too many people. I'd rather you do one or two things really well than do 10 things uh, slop, sloppy, you know, and not even, and then you throw the towel in. So, just really start praying about what you're going to do for your Lent, but focus on your obligations and doing that well. You know, it's like in religious life, St. Vincent Ferreira, the great Dominican said, a religious who follows his rule a hundred percent can be canonized before he dies. <laughs> you know, it's beautiful. And uh, it's the same thing with, uh, with life, but start preparing. Don't wait to, ash wednesday to say okay what am i going to do take it serious and and also like i said think about the times we're in think about what i'm talking about you know what's going on with the catholic cartel down at the border think about these things and do prayer and penance that this this will stop that these people will stop being abused and uh that the bad ones will get out of this country because once again you're going to start seeing terrorists all over this country the cells they're all over it's going to start happening uh it our streets are not safe now at all it's ha it's you know right now you're hearing about the big cities but they're shuffling these people to every little town in this country and and they're going to send them especially the conservative ones to bring them down so make this a good lent make it a good lunch. That's it. I've got nothing else to add. All right. Bow your head and pray for God's blessing. Pax et benedictio de omnipotente. Patria, filia, spiritus, sante, descende, supervos, mene et semper. Amen.